Hello, superstar supporters. Welcome to your June Awesome Overflow episode. Surprise! We didn't know if we were going to have one, but look, here it is. We did I- it because we love you so much. Kelly and I simply could not stay away. So obviously, Meg is not here because, oh my word, as of recording this, she had her baby about like two seconds ago. (laughs) Feels like it. And I'm sure it does to her too because, although, I don't know, Rebecca, you have that baby and on one hand, it's like this just happened, but it's so life altering that I think some days, three days into it, you're like, I don't remember my world before he or she was here. Exactly. Exactly. But for those who are not following on social media, which you should be, of course, if you have missed the announcement, Meg has had her fifth child, her little baby boy, was born on June 17th. It is a little boy named Nicholas Augustine Teets. Okay, I have this phobia of (laughs) pronouncing, (laughs) pronouncing baby names wrong. I am terrified. I don't even know if I said... Did I say any of it correctly? I'm like, I think, I think so. I, that's how I would say it. That's how I would say it too. I would say, Nicholas. I, I want to say Nicholas. I want to do it very. Here's what happened, Rebecca. Have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? Yes. Okay, so that's the first thing I heard of when Meg said that they're not only naming him Nicholas, but <laughs> his nickname is Nico. Yes, right? Nico. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then do you remember the scene in My Big Fat Greek Wedding where everybody's like, this is my son, Nick, his sister, Niki, my son, Nicholas. Like, it's all, it's like, so it just made me laugh. I was like, I love the name Nico, if that's what they're going to call him. So I would say it the same way you're saying it. I know what you're saying. Like, it feels like a very precious thing to somehow muddle, but we're doing the best we can here. <laughs> we're only okay. going to say this to the superstars because we know you have grace for us. But it's not even a complicated name, and it doesn't even happen to me with complicated names. The name could be Sarah or Jonathan, and all of a sudden, my years Sarah? of experience, I'm like, wait, is it Sarah? <laughs> Am I saying it right? I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And you know what? This is actually a thing. Where was it that I was seeing recently, and it was talking about um, names that are ethnic in, in origin and how people mess them up and then don't ask. And so a lot of people said, I would rather you ask. You know what it was? It was in a thread and they were talking about people who have uncommon names and how often they get butchered at places like Starbucks and how they say, you know, what? I don't even try anymore. I just say John, you know, because they're just never right. going to get it right. Right. And, and the sadness of that, of like having your name kind of have to be erased because <laughs> Americans can't get it right. And so they were like, just ask. And if you have to ask two or three times, you're not going to necessarily hurt my feelings. You know? So yes. I, I get it. Especially working in public radio. Yeah. This is yeah. like a real thing. We always yes. have to ask. Like, even if you think, like you just said, Sarah, you're like, this looks like it. But I'm always say, before we go on the air with our guests, say your name for me. <laughs> right. So, Meg, as you are listening to this. We, your name is not complicated. We love the name. It's a beautiful name. This is 100% my own insecurity. But little Nico, as you say that you're going to call him, is yep. such a precious name. I love it. So Nico was born on the 17th. He is 9 pounds, 13 ounces, 21 inches. I I feel like I need a thousand more pictures of him. <laughs> right? I do too. And I'm sure we'll get them. And in fact, superstars, we thought maybe... We could have a little message here from Meg. 
Hi, superstars. It's Meg, and I am so thankful that Kelly and Rebecca were able to get together and record a little surprise monthly overflow for you all. I thought it would be fun to just pop in here and say hello. We are now home from the hospital with our new baby boy, Nico. He was born on the morning of June 17th, the day after my 42nd birthday, and we got home a week ago today. It's Wednesday as I'm recording, and we are so settling into life as a family of seven. Nico is amazing. He is the sweetest baby. Um, just so chilled out, so relaxed. Um, everybody is absolutely in love with him. The kids adore him. I was a little nervous about the twins. They've been the babies for so long, but honestly, the twins, I think are the most excited every single morning. The first thing when they wake up, they want to come find the baby and see what he's doing. And they love to hold him and they are very excited for the day when he can actually play with them. And um, the girls are loving him too. I've been surprised at how much Daisy has loved him. She was not super interested in, um, the, uh, my pregnancy with Nico and, you know, uh, she was kind and supportive because that's the kind of kid that Daisy is, but she just wasn't really into it. And since the day he was born, she has been completely head over heels, um, in love with him. So, and AJ, of course, too, I already knew that she would be totally into having a baby around and we're all loving it. Kyle is, an amazing dad and helps in so many big and small ways. Um, and he has a special touch with Nico to help him calm down when nothing else seems to work. So we are just settling in here. I have to say that uh, Nico's birth was my best actual birth experience yet. My fourth C-section, the OR um, team was fantastic. Everyone from the anesthesiologists to uh, my OB, the nursing staff, everybody was fantastic. I do have to say too, that my recovery from this C-section has been the hardest yet. It may have something to do with the fact that I am 42 and just had my fourth C-section, but I've been really, really surprised at how slow the recovery is going and how much pain I was having post-surgery. So I really had to dial back my expectations and remember that I'm not in my late twenties and early thirties, like when I first started having babies and I seem to bounce back even from C-section births so quickly. So it's been good though. It's been good to slow down and just soak up all of the snuggles and, um, you know, just kind of laying around part of the newborn days. That's been really such a gift. It occurred to me that I haven't even really told anybody outside of um, some close family and friends here in town, um, anything about Nicholas's name, Nico's name. Um, we decided, so you guys get the scoop for sure. <laughs> there are people, and even in our own family that don't really know the whole story of why we chose the names that we did for Nico, but, um, his first name is Nicholas. We're spelling it the traditional German way in I K O L A U S. So the main inspiration for Nico's name is from St. Nicholas, who is my husband, Kyle's patron saint, his confirmation saint, and has just become a very, very dear person beyond way beyond the sort of, you know, Santa Claus image that we know of St. Nicholas really, um, 
we have found so much inspiration in the life and works of the real St. Nicholas. He is a very important person, an important um, spiritual friend in our family. Um, and so that's where Nico's first name came from. We, I've always actually loved the name Nicholas. Kyle had been resistant to it uh, for other name choices through the years, but this time around he was totally open to it. But we figured that we would probably use a nickname. We're a pretty big nickname family around here. And so uh, rather than going with the traditional Nick as the nickname, we just both really loved Nico. And so we've been calling him Baby Nico for months and months. And then his middle name is Augustine, and it's spelled the traditional way with an E on the end. Um, also a Catholic saint, but truly that was not even the inspiration for his middle name. He's actually named after my maternal grandfather, whose name was Augustine Bernard. And my grandfather was a total hero of childhood to me. He was a steady, loving, calm presence um, all throughout my childhood. Kyle did get to meet him before my grandfather passed away in the early 2000s. Um, and even when Kyle met him, he just agreed with me that truly my grandfather was one of the best men that he had ever met. He was deeply meaningful in my life. And so when we found out that we were having a boy, I said my only request is I would love to use my grandfather's name in some way. And so that's how we came up with Nicholas Augustine. Um, it's quite a mouthful. We figured too, all of our kids will have a lot of experience in at least spelling their last name. Actually, <laughs> they all kind of have to spell their first names too. We don't make it easy on them, I guess. So if that's, hopefully that's the heaviest burden that they have to carry forward from their childhoods. But anyway, that's the story on Nico's name. Um, we are really kind of getting back into the rhythms of life. And so that feels really great. I am such a rhythm and routine person and the big kids have really pitched in and been such a great help in kind of keeping the whole house running and on track. And that has been a huge difference in this go round too, to have big kids who are great helpers. I'll tell you what else has made a huge difference and that's grocery delivery. I've been using it more than ever and I'm so thankful every single time that that is a thing that exists in our world now. So anyway, um, I just wanted to pop in and say hi. Thank you all for uh, listening. Thank you for being a supporter. The superstars have been an amazing, incredible source of support, especially as we are transitioning away from Wondery. Many of you all have um, made changes big and small to continue to support the show. And that means the world to us. We're looking forward to coming back in August and really get getting back on track into September. Um, I'm very excited about the, the stories series that will be running this summer, but truly wanted to say, as always, thank you so much for your commitment to sort of awesome and to everything that you do. Um, not only financially, but just like in a very real way, emotionally to, Keep the support going. Keep the enthusiasm going for Sort of Awesome. It means the world to us. So I hope you all are having a fantastic summer, and we'll talk soon. We're so happy for you, May. Congratulations. Congratulations, truly. But we could not let the summer continue to go by and not 
acknowledge you guys, the superstars, our super supporters. We are so thankful for your continued support that you have been giving to us and giving to Meg. And so Kelly and I thought, hey, the awesome overflow typically comes out the end of the month. Maybe we can throw one together. Maybe we won't be able to throw any more together, but here we have the June episode for you. We're going to give it our best shot. So we just have a few things like we always have in our awesome overflow episodes, things that don't quite fit the normal format of our Friday episode, or they're not quite Friday worthy, but they're totally awesome. And we want to just catch you up on these things. So Kelly, what do you have for us? Okay. So I have to tell you guys about a book. Except I think that probably a lot of the superstars are already aware of this book because I read it and then you know who read it and tweeted about it and put it on Instagram? Laura Tremaine. So I feel like whenever I read a book and then Laura reads it and likes it, I'm like, gold star. I win all the things. Yes, yes, you do. Because <laughs> it was like I had her her stamp of approval on this. It's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. This book, you guys, so it is actually, it's it's a semi-true retelling. She changes the names and maybe a few facts of things. She is a therapist who herself needed therapy. Her um, boyfriend, whom she thought they were going to get married, it opens with him breaking up with her. They had been together for a while, but she has a child. And he's like, yeah, I just, I don't want to live with a kid. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. She kind of rightfully loses it. But then she's like, why did I like waste so much time with this guy? And what does it say about me? So she's like, I need a therapist. This is what I do for a living. I can recognize that I'm kind of spinning out here and there are probably some deeper issues that I need to unpack. So this story is interwoven. She interweaves some th- some patients of her own and she changes some key details so that she can retell some of their story with her going to therapy and what she's learning and why we all kind of need therapy and why we need each other and how communal our experiences are and what it means to grow. It is so good. There are so many twists and turns that I didn't really expect when I picked up this book. You know, again, it's it's a true story. So sometimes those sorts of books are a little less dramatic because, you know, whatever. They're, they're trying to tell you something. They're instructional right. maybe. right. But because of the way she's set up this story, it was, there were times I was laughing out loud. She's very funny. She's kind of neurotic, but in a like very relatable way. And then there were times I literally had to stop and and cry, which hardly ever happens to the book. So it's just, I think it's a good, in some ways, summer read. It's not completely light because it it dives into deep things, but it's also very readable. You know, okay. it's, it's an mm-hmm. easy read. It's not going to require you to stop and think and like, wow, those concepts are crazy. It's going to sneak in the life lessons and the bigger, deeper truths as it's telling these really good stories. So that's my book that I would recommend right now. And would you describe the book as more of a memoir or more of a instructional based type of nonfiction? No, I would book? describe it more of a, as a memoir. I mean, it's not all just her. That's the interesting thing. And there certainly has been some professional pushback on the book, like, a therapist does not share their client's stories. You know, so she she took five people and kind of used their stories in her book. Um, and I, I know that she says she changed some things about them, you know, names and signifying things. And she might have, you know, maybe made a composite just to, to change that. But even then, I've seen a lot of therapists be like, this is not professional. It's definitely very memoir It's her memories and other people's stories all <laughs> right, woven right. together. Very interesting. Okay, so what are you reading? Well, 
or Sherry? Like, what do you want to share? Yeah. I should say well, it that I, way. I do have two books to share, which is interesting because they are also nonfiction. And guys, I don't. I don't read a lot of nonfiction. I'm like, what? I know. I am not really drawn to it. And what I think I have found is I do enjoy the memoir style of nonfiction, but it's the instructional ones. They just don't like, they just Mm. don't grab me as much. They don't tend to as well. So, but I did just recently finish two books that I feel like are worthy of a mention. So the first one is The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. And again, I'm, of course, I'm paranoid that I'm saying his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All we need is a link, right? We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So the, the title is The Sun Does Shine. The subtitle is How I Found Life, Freedom, and Justice. And the story here is, is that he, as an innocent man, spent nearly 30 years on death row. Mm-hmm. And when I say innocent man, I don't mean like, oh, come on, man, I didn't do it. I mean like legit had yeah. an alibi, like for real an innocent man. And I think we've heard stories before that the death penalty and like death row and like our justice system, all of it, it it can be a bit broken. It's not a perfect system that there are real life people who are innocent, who are convicted, but I have never experienced the truth of that in Mm -hmm. a way that this book is presenting. Mm -hmm. It was so good. It talks and acknowledges how race and economics uh, play a part in the justice system. But even more than that, this book is really a book about hope and how you choose to live your life when you're faced with bad times, when you're faced with darkness. Mm-hmm. He was not all sunshine and roses well, on how could his, you during be his, if you're on right. death row, right? But, right? but he goes through this major transformation and decides to like bloom where he's planted essentially, you know, and it is just so inspiring. Definitely worth the read. It's, it's a pretty quick read. I mean, it's heavy. It's dealing with a lot of just maddening issues, of course, but yet it, it's a fast read. It's easy to read. It goes by quickly. Um, so again, that book is called the sun does shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. And the second book that I have to mention is At Home in the World by our friend of the show, Tish Oxenrider. Yes. I haven't, this one's been on my list forever. So I'm super excited that you're recommending it. What did you think of it? Well, the story that Tish shares is about her and her husband traveling the world for a year with their three kids, 10 and under. And this is something that I haven't shared as much about on Sorta Awesome, but there was a time in my life where I was doing a lot of international travel and seeing the world, seeing different cultures, just all of it just holds a really special place in my heart. It's something that I still crave at times and wish that I could do more of. The reality of having children has really kind of grounded me here, but it's so interesting then to read Tisha's story where you know, she had a mortgage. She has kids, but yet she still chose to make Mm -hmm. this a priority and still do it. It ends up being a real love letter to travel. And it was inspiring. It was beautiful to read. She is so good with her words. (laughs) Like she's like, really? I, I think like sometimes we give our friends maybe a little bit extra grace. Like, oh, you did such a good job with this book. But like, she like, really? Did a good job. No, she's a really good writer. Very, very thoughtful. Everything I've ever read by Tish, I walk away and go, wow, 
I'm going to think about that. You know, like just the way she puts ideas together with the actual language. Anybody who's a writer really appreciates it, right? Yes, exactly. And I will say that there were times where I was reading this and I was like, man, I am so glad it was her family and not mine. This is stressful because like I know, like I have spent, you know, like 24 hours on a train in India. Like I know what it's like to be like, you know, traveler's diarrhea, you're throwing up everywhere. Like I know what like (laughs) all of that is like. And doing that with children sounds so stressful, but being able to be transformed into her journey through her words was just beautiful and the cool thing is too of course that she had instagram while she was doing this traveling Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she documented all of that and i often pulled up her instagram feed and checked her hashtag and it was like having a slideshow of her travels while reading it so you can look at her hashtag if you are going to pick up the book again the book is called at home in the world reflections on being or sorry, Reflections on Belonging While Wandering the Globe by Tish Oxenreiter. And then the hashtag that she uses on Instagram specifically for this year of travel is Worldwide Ox. Ox being just O-X mm-hmm. for her last name, Oxenreiter. Worldwide Ox. So that was the two nonfiction books I recently read and do highly recommend. Wow. Those are really good. So I guess my to-be-read pile just got a little bit bigger. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's already kind of teetering. The other thing that I'm reading right now, this is just not a new book, but is kind of the continuation of Crazy Rich Asians. I read that last summer, and it was such a perfect summer read. So I'm reading the next two books in the series. Um, What's the one? Crazy Rich Girlfriend, I think, and Rich People Problems. I actually skipped to book three because the book two wasn't in the library. So it's just fun. But those are big books, and my pile really is threatening to, like, topple over. Some some day they're going to wake up and find me buried under a stack of books and be like, sorry, Kelly didn't make it into work today. She got buried by her TV red pile. I'm having the same problem. I will go through phases where I read a lot, and then I just, like, don't read anything for months. And I recently just went to the library, and I got, like, six books. And I was like, what, Rebecca – when do you think you're going to read these? Like, know, you're not. Right? Like, you're, you're just, like, bringing them home to think about them and feel guilty about. And you're not going to read them all. And then you're going to keep renewing them. And then you're going to send them back. And you're going to be like, oh, I didn't read them. I'm a failure. Rebecca, <laughs> you are describing my life right now. Yeah. Holy buckets. I have so many books that I have requested and done exactly that. I go and pick it up. I renew it for as many times as I can renew it. And then I have to face the hard fact that I have eight books that are not small. Many of them are about really great nonfiction topics that I want to learn about because we did a show about it or something. I wanted to read about the author. And I'm like, you're not going to have time. You don't have time to read anything right now. Right. Like, and I can read these Kevin Kwan books because I read like three pages and then I conk out at night and you're like, it's not heavy reading. I'm not trying to absorb like the health crisis in America and what we can do about it. Oh, goodness. Those are the books you're checking out from the library. That sounds awful. No wonder you're not opening them. No, I, the ones that I had, I really did want to read, but I have, as in so many things in my life, an overinflated sense of what I can actually do when it comes to my library books. Like I live in that happy, optimistic world when I'm just requesting things and then yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Okay. So I have to tell you about something that I'm listening to and this isn't going to be a surprise, but before I do, you guys, if you are hearing giggling in the background while Rebecca is talking about really heavy things, like a person who spent 30 years on death row for something he didn't do. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> 
where is this inappropriate laughter coming from? <laughs> is that Kelly? Is she thinking this is funny? And you're going to write me a mean email. It's actually my son. I'm going to take a picture, in fact, before we leave here, because I am at work today. He came down to actually do something that my work needed some kids for, for a video they were filming. And now he's with me this afternoon. So he is in the studio with me while I'm recording this with Rebecca, watching YouTube. And so he's got his headphones in. And I'm like, you've got to be quiet. But he's giggling. Do your kids do that? Do your kids do that, Rebecca? Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. like they, they have their headphones on and they're laying there. It's totally quiet. And all of a sudden they go, <laughs> <laughs> Well, even Isaac is like obsessed with Daniel Tiger. He yeah. just sits on the couch and he'll he'll be watching it on TV or he'll be watching it like on my phone or something. And he just has the biggest smile on his face the entire time. Because yeah. Daniel Tiger. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, just funny it just when, happens. you know, when anybody, I know my, I've done this for years to my kids, so I can't even mock them for it, that I would be cleaning and I'm listening to a podcast. And if it's funny, you know, wait, wait, don't tell me. All of a sudden I would burst out laughing and they, like now they literally go, oh, wait, wait, don't tell me. Like, <laughs> you know, that must be why mom is laughing without reason into the middle of the ether. Right. So, yes. So if you're hearing laughter, awesomes, superstars, you know exactly why. It's because Kieran is here in the booth with me. Okay. So here's what else I want to tell you, speaking of podcasts to listen to. If you guys don't already listen to the Pantsuit Politics team, I, I've i subscribed to them since the beginning and listened in and out, but I am in a phase where I cannot get enough. I just think that what Beth and Sarah are doing over there at Pantsuit Politics is so good and it's so smart and if I was a different person, like the kind of podcast that I would have wanted to create, you know, like I, I always feel like I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I mean it as the highest praise. Like what they are doing is exactly what I think needs to be done in America today. Their approach to talking about current events and politics is so gracious and so interesting since they're not just an echo chamber saying, yeah, preach it, sister. I mean, they are about some things, but they, they, they have a thoughtful and a nuanced and sometimes, you know, contrarian, like let's look at it from a different viewpoint on current events. It is, I, I feel like I would recommend for sure podcast politics today as a way for people to keep up to date on current events more so than what's the newsletter that we used to recommend. I mean, we still do recommend, I shouldn't say I used to recommend oh. it more. I just forgot the name. I can't think of it either. I, I unsubscribed because it was coming to my inbox and I would feel guilty that I wasn't opening it and then eventually I would delete it. <laughs> yes, right? Slack. No, not well, Slack. What and here's it? what happened with me. I really liked it for a while, but it's snarky. I mean, they're right. they're unapologetically snarky. I'm not saying something that I don't think they would say. It's it's a women-centered newsletter of news, current events um, by millennials, for millennials, really. So it was just a little more snarky than I wanted when you, it comes to serious topics like North Korea and they're like, you know, making fun of Kim Jong-un's hairs, that sort of thing, which I get is funny. It's kind of late night. It's the late night take on the news, right? Right. Yeah. Same idea. I think that if you want something that's just a little bit more serious and maybe a little bit more thoughtful instead okay. of snarky, mm-hmm. Pantsuit Politics is such a great way to get your news um, to learn about things. They've been doing these breakdowns, like five things you need to know about Brexit. So they do the work for you and then you can be like, okay, I just, I am, it's so overwhelming. I don't have time to maybe read it or to research it on my own, but yet I do want to know they're going to give you exactly what you need. They're going to do the work, which I think mm. is amazing that they're yeah. doing actual journalism really. Like they're you know curating all this stuff to say, here's what you need to know. Here's how it started. Here's where we are today. Here are the factions that are involved. Here's what it could mean for you in America. Here's what it says about the world fantastic. So I just cannot get enough. That's when I get into my car or I have to clean. 
more often than not lately, I am pulling up pantsuit politics. Good. Yeah. Good, what good, about you? Good. Are you listening to anything? Do you have a podcast or some music? Well, I have, I do have one podcast that I can recommend. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to mention it. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I like that. I always like it when you're like, ooh, I don't know if I should say this. Well, no, it's not that. It's just that, you know, it's for a very particular audience. And sometimes I wonder if the awesomes get tiresome of me talking about my bachelor obsession. And I know oh. <laughs> I know, Kelly, that you're maybe not the best audience for this. I'm not the audience, but Rebecca, I love you and I love hearing what you're into. So do tell. I'm not okay. going to listen to it. I will say right now, but that does not mean that I don't want to know what it is. Okay, so very briefly, I will just say that this year's this season of The Bachelorette, our lead is Hannah Brown, and she is quirky and awkward and anxious and is presenting just this whole other side to a lead than what we have seen before. on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. It's really been very interesting. But I feel like I don't really know that much about Hannah herself. From her time on the show before, when she was on Colton's season of The Bachelor, we basically just knew that she was a a beauty pageant queen and she struggled with needing to be perfect, but it didn't really go beyond that. We don't really know much about who Hannah is as a person. Well, Nick Vial who is a Bachelor Nation superstar, has a podcast and had her on episode 23 recently. His podcast is called The Vial Files. And yeah, (laughs) real clever. And he had her on and it was so good. Uh, There are no spoilers in the episode, but it was very insightful into who Hannah is, more about like her, her dating backstory, more about this concept of her trying to be perfect all the time and growing up as a good girl and that being praised and then what happened when she felt like she couldn't keep up that facade anymore. I I like I really enjoyed the episode and learning more about Hannah. So The Vile Files, episode twenty three, Hannah Brown. It's good for those who are interested in Bachelor Nation news. That's a good one. I like it. Okay, so I have a recipe to share. Oh, good. And then we can just like maybe riff a little bit. Like tell me what's new in your life because that's what we want to do for the superstars. You guys, you could do, it's like your private Voxer only you don't get to talk back. Sorry. Um, I guess just in the, the hangout, the superstars hangout on Facebook, you can talk back to us. Um, I just recently decided I should start cutting my rhubarb plant. So when we moved into our house about seven, eight years ago, I planted some rhubarb, one of the first summers. But they always say that rhubarb should not be harvested the first few years because it needs time to get established. Okay. And honestly, it's kind of back in a corner in my yard. I always see it every spring and I'm like, oh, there it's growing. I'm so happy. But then I would forget about it. So the last couple of years, I've pretty much never harvested it. Like even though I could have, it's it's established, I would just forget. And so then it would start to flop over and get gross. And I was like, ah, whatever. I'm going to leave that back there. Next year. Yeah, <laughs> we'll exactly. try again next year. So this year I was trying to be proactive. So I went out the other day and cut some rhubarb. And so I made for the first time in years, and I'm going to say this like I was in the movie Fargo, rhubarb bars. Mm. Because <laughs> if there is something that people in the upper Midwest, the North like, it is bars. Margo, let's get to bars. So these are, I just made them last night. I had made a rhubarb pie, had some leftover rhubarb and decided to make these and bring them into work. 
and I hadn't had them in so long, I'd forgotten. Everybody's like, these are amazing. And I'm like, okay, warning, these are not a low calorie food. Okay. They have, I think as much sugar as they do flour, but that makes them kind of like a brownie texture. You know, they're gooey a little bit in the middle and they're very crunchy and crumbly on the outside because of the butter and the brown sugar. And then it's got rhubarb sprinkled through the whole thing, which, hey, rhubarb is a vegetable. Okay. (laughs) These are vegetable bars. Yeah. And I was thinking today, if I had just used whole wheat flour instead of regular white flour, which I don't think you would be able to tell at all because these bars are all about the sugar, then it would be a whole grain vegetable bar. Oh my goodness. I mean, practically a superfood. It's health food. Exactly. (laughs) It's going to rank right up there. So I will put the recipe, we can put it in the show notes or I will probably just share it in the um, Superstars group on Facebook. Because if you want to make them, they're super easy. And if you have rhubarb, this is kind of the season when a lot of people, if you have rhubarb or you have a farmer's market, it's still an overabundance of rhubarb. I think especially this year, so much of the U.S. has been abnormally wet or cool. And so rhubarb is still growing. So this is such a good way to use up your your rhubarb, make your family happy, make your coworkers happy, and um, enjoy summer. You're not going to lose weight with this food. But I was going to say, and lose weight. (laughs) This is a joke. You're not going to, but it will be worth it. Oh, it sounds so good. I love rhubarb. I'm like drooling over here. It's so good. I know. I just, I think that sweet tart thing is like (sighs) my sweet spot, really, Mm, you know? Yes. So mm, it's good. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Well, one last little update that I have on what's happening in my life, Kelly. I am grieving. And, of course, I, I, I'm laughing because it's, like, a very superficial grieving. But I am grieving the end of a binge. Oh, okay. Okay. If you've ever finished a binge, like, a really good one. Like, you just know that emptiness that you have sometimes of, like, oh, it's over. What do <laughs> I do? With, yeah. Oh what do I God. do with the rest of my life? Okay. But I have – I mean, I've experienced – the grief of the end of a binge, like many times. You've done this way I, before. Yes, many, many times. But this is a particularly difficult circumstance because here's what happened. I have recommended as an awesome of the week multiple times the show The Royals. I yeah. have described it as a British royal gossip girl. It is sassy, it is sexy, it is controversial, it is. I, I, I love it. Okay, so I first recommended season one and episode 67, and then I highly praised season three and episode 129 of Sorta Awesome. But, you guys, there are four seasons. Season five was canceled after, after production for season four was completed. Even after they aired the season finale for season four. They were like, oh, season five is canceled, but maybe another network is going to pick it up. And then they didn't. And it, like, legit is canceled. So, you know, all the cliffhangers that normally go into the end of a season, you know, all the buildup to get everybody excited and hyped for the next season, happened at the end of season four of the Royals with absolutely no hope of redemption, no hope of tying everything up in a bow. There's nothing. I am just left grieving the end of the loss and also like what i mean should i have even watched it to begin with should i have even recommended it as an awesome of the week what is this (laughs) if the end of a movie or book is bad 
and it isn't satisfactory, does it make the whole book bad, the whole movie bad? Is the whole binge bad because of these cliffhangers at the end? What am I supposed to do with my life? Is the whole binge bad? I like that. Actually, I think this is the worst case scenario, Rebecca. I have not watched the show, although certainly that one did pique my interest. You very much got me. I just haven't had time. But the idea that a show could be canceled mid-season, you know, that's kind of what it is, like mid-storyline, is horrifying to me. There's no wrap-up. The actors didn't get that. The writers, you know, like, and of course the audience gets nothing. It's just... It's just so wrong. Do you think there's any chance that somebody's going to come in and swoop in and, like, at least let them finish season five so that they can end? Kelly, I have been Googling this. Okay. You're like, no, I've tried. I've been trying to, like, start my own crowdsourcing to get them to do it. I have been desperate for answers. And, no, it seems like it's, like, legit. It's done. The next step for me, okay, I have two choices. I can either... A, just 100% let it go and be like, okay, well, you know, sometimes you get burned. Or B, I, I'm I'm tempted to seek out some fan fiction to see if I might get idea. some some conclusions that way. But I, 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 I don't know. Guys, I don't know. And I don't know how to move forward. I am stuck in the state of grief. <laughs> so if anybody has any advice for me... <laughs> Bring it on, because I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you either. I feel so bad for you. I'm like, it's I'm the stuck. stupidest thing. I get it, and, though. I get it. And I think I was even kind of oblivious to the fact that the show had, like, legit been canceled after, 100% after production of season four was done. So I, I went into season four thinking everything was going to be wrapped up. And then we're getting to, like, the last ten minutes of the episode of the series and i'm like no this is this is not this is not ending well there's no way they're wrapping all this up in the next 10 minutes you're like are they just gonna wake up and be what was that show in the 80s was it dallas like they did a whole season with people who died and they just were like oh actually that whole season was a dream like everybody was like this is so dramatic and all these main characters are dying and like at the very last 10 minutes of that see of that season the main character like wakes up and was like oh that was all a dream Oh, that's stupid. Did Isn't that, that really stupid? happen? It I did. Hate it really that. happened. Oh, I'm I think angry it was on Dallas. Behalf of every- oh, what? Okay, but like that and adjusting to summer break and all of that. I mean, that's literally Word. what is happening in my life. <laughs> so adjusting to summer break. Can we just take a moment of silence? <sighs> Man. Okay, so I would not say this anywhere except for here on the superstars, but I'm a little sad. We've only been in two weeks of summer so far, but the fact that I'm still going to work. I'm sad about it. Like this is the first time I've ever worked in the summer since I've had kids. Um, So, you know, I've been at home for 20 summers and summer is my favorite. And I think that more than just even the season, like the idea that you could be outside and do fun things, it was this. If you're a stay at home mom, even though you have your kids all the time there in the summer, for me, it was also still like a break. You know, it was 10 to 12 weeks of we don't have homework People didn't usually have to be up at a certain time. We could just rule our own schedules. Right. And I don't have that this year. So I'm not getting that same mental break. Even though it's less, it's it's not the same. Oh, no, Rebecca, it's not I'm a little sad. I think I'm I'll make sorry. the ad- I mean, I will make the adjustment. I know that. I'm, I love my job. I said to my sister in a box that I just wish that I could have like a two-month break. Like then it would be perfect. 
So it, just adjusting the summer is a thing. And I will tell you guys this too. It's probably something that she wouldn't want me to share on the bigger podcast. But my daughter, my oldest daughter graduated from high school, which that is not a secret. But we've had um, so much fun with that and trying to kind of come to terms with. So she has been a student who did not enjoy high school. Okay. She has struggled um, with depression through high school. She would not mind me telling you that. She's pretty open about it. I would just not want to say it on the main podcast because it just feels like, why, you know? Yeah. Um, so she has not been at her high school for the last 18 months. So she did not want to walk in graduation because she said, why? Like, I don't know these people. And it's pointless to go sit in a, you know, for us, it would be a ice arena that they, you know, it's just like a stadium um, for two and a half hours just to hear my name read. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, well, you can't argue with that. Like, and, well, and yeah. she said, are you really that impressed that I graduated from high school? Like, is this the, like, she, she kind of rightfully pointed out that in America today, almost everybody graduates from high school. This is like celebrating that you made it through fifth grade. She's like, <laughs> I did. I guess it's a milestone, but pretty much you still have school to go. And like, really, you're impressed that I did this? Like, it's his baseline, you know? And I'm like, right. well, you're yeah. not wrong there either. Yeah. But we did want, we kind of said, okay, if we're not going to do those things, we are wired as humans to do something to mark occasions. It helps us process. So we had thrown out some ideas to her, like pick something that we can do to mark this occasion, to say you're crossing a threshold here. So she decided to um, be okay throwing a small graduation party. So she wanted to do it this way, though. She wanted to kind of be in charge of the guest list so that as an introvert, she could decide who comes to the party versus mom and dad saying, well, I know these people and these people knew you when you were a baby. She's like, I want to have people there that I want there. Right. Or that I know, you know, that sort of a thing that I have a connection with, even if it's not super current, still I do have memories with them. So that was fine. So it was a smaller grad party than some of the other grad parties that are in our area, which, by the way, this is a very Midwestern thing. Having a grad party, do they do that in Pennsylvania? Do graduates have like an open house party after they graduate? I mean, I think like maybe a little bit, but it's, yeah, it's not like how it was growing up in Ohio. Oh my goodness. Like graduation season, like you were never home on the weekends. You were party hopping from one place to another. It was huge. Yes. And that's how it is here. Like pretty much everybody throws a grad party. So they start at the end of May and they go through like mid July because there's so many people throwing parties every weekend Mm -hmm. that they feel like, well, we kind of try to find a weekend that doesn't compete with all of our friends and it's a big deal. So for us, it wasn't so big because she was in charge of the guest list. You know, it was a smaller gathering. Um, but still, that was kind of fun. And now, like, that was the one tangible that life changes. But she's going to take a gap year next year. So she'll still be at home. She'll still be working. You know, for all intents and purposes, it won't look any different than she, this year. She just won't have college classes. Last year, a lot of her college classes were online. So even then, you know, she was doing them from home. So we are transitioning into her being she'll turn 18 later this summer but yet like our life doesn't change you know like I'm not one of those parents who are and now my kid's gonna leave the nest in in two months she's like why why would I leave you guys you cook for me I have a great room <laughs> the world out there is scary like there's a politics, pool in the backyard nope I'm really good in the basement yeah um but that's just her anyway I just just to say this happened in my life and I, I think yeah. that you know 
that's one of those things that we talk about amongst friends, and that's what we are here. So the party did happen already. Yep, the party happened a few weekends ago. It wasn't great weather. That was the only bummer. So we kind of we didn't have enough people that we had to worry about it. We put up just a couple like tents that we had just screened in tents that we've used for camping. And then we did it, had people underneath. It wasn't that it was raining the whole time. It just looked like it could rain. So we were like, okay, we need to be able to, like we made posters of pictures of hers. And we're like, we can't just like leave everything out and have a big scramble. I will tell you what we did. And this is something, I think it was in the superstars group. I got the idea from my friend, Sarah Thacker, who lives, she's up in um, Northern Minnesota. She did for a grad party, a s'more bar. Oh, And so it was so cute and so well done. I saw her pictures before we had the grad party. In fact, I think I asked the superstars for some ideas about grad parties. And um, so we did that. And it was a huge hit because here's the thing. Natalie and I went to some grad parties before her grad party. And so we learned a little bit. We were like, so often it's such a disparate group of people who don't really know each other. The thing they have in common is the graduate or the family. Right. And so it is an open house. People come and leave. But yet people don't know what to do. Like there's always food, but you're not going to eat at every single place. If you're going to two or three, especially you're like, I can't eat like a sandwich or a taco at every one. So we're like, we need to find things to do. So this s'more bar was like a combo. It's food and people get to do it. So we used cans of Sterno and we made a little bar so that people could roast their marshmallows on wooden skewers over the Sterno. Now, because it was cold and rainy for us, that day, we made an actual fire in our fire pit, too, so people could do either. But then we got out all these different toppings, you know, cinnamon graham crackers, regular graham crackers, marshmallows, and then we had dark chocolate, and we had this, and we had, you know, toppings like lemon curd and strawberry sauce and um, candy bars, and we used those, like, you know, those Keebler Stripe cookies, only I used mm-hmm. the Aldi version of them. You could use those instead of a graham cracker. So we had all these, like, choices out, and people loved it, and kids loved it, and it was something to do and to kind of get conversation going. That's brilliant. Did you serve anything else with it or was it just s'mores? No, we had, we did, although I will say this, I had talked to some friends and they said if I had to do it over again, I would not serve as much food. Like you feel like you need to serve lunch and because there's so many people going from place to place, they're like, you honestly, somebody did just an ice cream bar and they were like, it was totally fine and it's so much easier, but we did do food. We like got some broasted chicken. I don't know what the difference is between broasted chicken and fried chicken, but from a a local restaurant and we had like some salad and some fruit and stuff like that. But, um, the s'more bar was by far the biggest hit. And the other thing that she did now, this is like introverts everywhere are going to be praise hands at this. When we went to the other parties, she said, everybody's asking the same things, right? Cause they all were like, what are you going to do now? You know, what do you want? Think you want to major in? And then there's, she said, there's a lot more hugging than I thought there there would be. So that's good. I'm going to prepare myself for how many hugs you give. Because she's like, even going to friends, you know, like I hadn't, I knew their grandparents and they're like, Natalie. And she's like, oh good, we're hugging. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to prepare myself for all the hugs. But she said, I'm going to make an FAQ so that I don't have to answer all the questions over and over and over. So she made a printout. Where are you going to college? I'm not. I'm taking a gap year. What do you want to do? Like, she even talked to her friends, like, what are the questions that you got? And one person added, they said, people are like, oh, are you dating anybody? So she's like, put that on there too. Like, nope, not dating anyone. Single, happy, fine. So she made a little FAQ and then just like left it on all the tables so that people oh, that's awesome. like, could have to think of new questions. <laughs> there you go, introverts. If you know, you're like, could I do this with all my life, please? Could I just carry around a piece of paper and be like, here are the answers to all the questions that you have. <laughs> and then I'm done. 
<laughs> it made me laugh. It was very perfectly her. So it was good to do at her graduation. I think that she felt really honored. At least I hope she did. It was a good day. Well, that's fantastic. And like you said, I hope that she did feel honored. It sounds like you guys did a good job of adjusting maybe your own expectations and some of the, you know, even just like society's expectations in your area, the cultural expectations of what right. is expected and what you do. And you you made it work for her desires and her needs. And that's great. Yep. That's a good, it's like one of the biggest things I've learned about parenting, which I think so many of us know in our heads when we go into it, it's like all the kids are different and how you respond to them is different. But just seeing who she actually is and then, you know, enabling that, like letting that shine and not trying her to force her into a, a way that she doesn't want to be. And in fact, she even said in this, <laughs> hear the laughter, um, it made me, it was interesting to me. Um, she's taking this gap year, which we fully support. You know, she already has a year of college credit under her belt because the program that she was doing here in Minnesota. But she said as she talked to her friends when they would say, what are you doing? And she said, I'm taking a gap year. Every single one of her friends said, oh, I wish I could do that. I'm so Mm. tired. And she's like, you could. And they said, no, my parents would never let me. And so I thought that was interesting. Like, you know, as a culture, I think even just now it might not be that their parents would let them. Maybe they don't want to ask, or maybe it was just an excuse. I certainly don't like judge all the parents, but it was just like, she said, I think that's kind of sad that they feel pushed into this. And I think it's really easy to do, right? As parents, we have hopes and dreams and that sort of thing. Um, Anyway, it was, I think it's just been one of those lessons I just keep learning, Rebecca, is just trying to let my kids be who they are. I love the, I love the giggles in the background, like as you're saying that. (laughs) Kieran, you're being really loud. (laughs) He's like, whatever, mom. You guys, okay, I'm going to end here. Rebecca, I already told you the story. Um, a few weeks ago, Kieran came to work with me because he had a field trip and I had gone with him and then I, I brought him back to work. I was like, I have an hour left. Do you want to come back to the office with me? Cause it wasn't far. I don't work far from where his field trip was. Or do you want to go back to school? And he's like, I want to go back to work with you. Like, I don't want to get on the bus and go back to school and wait. So he did what he's doing now only at my desk. I gave him my, my phone. This is what parents do, right? When you're in a little bit of a bind, you're like, yeah, okay. Um, here's my phone. Here's some earbuds. Like you can watch a program. So he kind of scooted under my desk a little bit and was watching shows and was giggling like this. And I didn't really think to tell my coworkers that he was there because it was kind of unexpected and it wasn't very long. So we're all working a little bit quiet. And then he would go like he is now. (laughs) And finally, Julie, who I said, like she and I almost face each other in our cubicles. And she goes, what is that noise? And I'm like, oh, I have a child under my desk. (laughs) realities of working parents right and they're all like what and i'm like oh it's my child it's my child it's not just a child (laughs) not just a child it's my child (laughs) but they they've laughed about it ever since like do you remember that time that we were all sitting around and we're like there's (laughs) just like this (laughs) There there are weird sounds coming so yeah okay so we need to wrap this up i'm just going on and on you guys um Come tell me you're funny. You had to bring your kid to work stories. This isn't as bad as, do you remember that viral video of the guy who was on like CNN or something on Skype oh, and his kids came in yes. and the mom was I... trying to get the little girl back out, like crawling, but you could see her. Oh my word. I watched that so many times. I was obsessed with it. I thought yeah. it was hilarious. Oh my word. I loved it so much. I know. And that's just where we are. I think everybody has grace for it. That was the cool thing about that is that I don't, I didn't see too many people being like, well, that's so unprofessional. Everybody was like, 
real life. Yep. 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 <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, superstars, thank you again for all of your continued support. You guys are truly just the best. We appreciate you so much. That's why Kelly and I... That's why Kelly and I wanted to jump on here and give you a little extra content, even though it wasn't quite promised to you. We'll see if we can make it happen again later this summer. If you have anything to add to this conversation, of course, join us in the Superstar Hangout group. It is a group dedicated just to you. It's smaller and more intimate than the big hangout group. If you haven't joined us there, you can find that at facebook.com. Facebook.com slash groups slash SA superstars. All you need is the email address that you use to sign up to support us on Patreon, and we will let you write in. Yes, we will. Until next time. Okay. See ya. Bye, guys. <laughs>